Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Hey everyone, it's so great to be with you today. As always, thank you again so much for joining us for another Anchor at Home. Today I want to talk to you about turning the tide. Now, if you're familiar with that term, then you know it means to change or reverse a situation, especially so that an individual or a group of people begin to win instead of lose. To put it plainly, in light of everything we've been going through, I've been asking the Lord, how do we as believers go from having a defensive posture that's constantly reacting to everything that's happening around us to an offensive posture that's actually accomplishing His purpose in our generation? With that said, I'm not going to sit here and act like I have all the answers because I certainly don't. But one thing I do know is this, is if we are going to turn the tide in a God direction, if we are going to go from being on defense to offense, then we will need to engage in spiritual warfare. Now, I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear those words, but I believe if we're even going to begin to understand spiritual warfare, it is important that we first understand what war is. Simply stated, war is a conflict that occurs when one party seeks to gain by force something that another party will not willingly concede, or when both parties desire to possess a thing that cannot be mutually shared. I want to repeat that, that war is a conflict that occurs when one party seeks to gain by force something that another party will not willingly concede or when both parties desire to possess a thing that cannot be mutually shared. When we bring that definition into biblical language, we understand that the two conflicting parties that we have in a spiritual war are this. It's obviously it's God and his holy angels, which represent a kingdom of light and it represents good. And on the other side, you have Satan and his demons, which represents the kingdom of darkness and evil. Now, what is the one thing that's in the middle that cannot be mutually shared? It's us. It's, it's people. Now, what are those two opposing forces? What are their attentions towards us? God longs to bring us into an intimate relationship. After all, that's why He sent His Son to die for us, right? While Satan, on the other hand, is doing everything he can to keep us from a relationship with God. By by how? By imparting darkness and corruption into our hearts and minds. Why does he do this? Because ultimately he knows his time is short and he is doing his absolute best to drag as many people to hell with him as he can. Now, What's crazy about all this is this, is that most people go about their daily lives completely unaware of the invisible war that is constantly raging around them for their souls. With all that in mind, over the years I've heard many people ask the question, if God is more powerful than Satan, then why doesn't He just squash the kingdom of darkness? Now, while that makes sense kind of logically, there's one thing that's really missing in that thought process, and that's this, that everything in this war ebbs and flows by the free wills of humans. For example, by our free will, we will either choose to receive God's free gift of salvation or we will reject it. We will choose to receive God's leadership or we will refuse to to reject His divine rule in our lives. That by our free will, we will either choose to believe the Word of God or we will reject His divine grace and truth. 
You see, therein lies the struggle for the souls of men. It's our free will that gives us a choice to do what we want. Now, here's how the spiritual war applies to us as believers. Even though we were completely unaware of the invisible war at the time, the moment we received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we were simultaneously enlisted into the army of God. In fact, listen how Paul addressed Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3-4. He said this, he said, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And then he says in verse four, he said, no soldier in active service, or we can insert there, no soldier in active warfare entangles himself with the affairs of the civilian life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. If we can say that another way, so that he may please God who enlisted or who chose him as a soldier. So in light of that scripture, what's the purpose of this army? What's the purpose of you and I being a soldier? It's pretty simple, guys. It's to fight. Armies and soldiers are trained and prepared to not only fight, but to win wars. And we as the church are no different. So with that in mind, if you and I really desire to be an effective soldier in God's army, then I believe there's a few essential things that we really need to grab a hold of, especially in the days we're living in. The first thing we need to do is we need to learn how to recognize our enemy. Listen to what Paul said in Ephesians 6, 12. He said, for we are not fighting flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. I feel like this is important to highlight because we can spend so much time being frustrated and bent out of shape when people do things that we don't agree with. It doesn't matter if they are a believer or not. It doesn't even matter if we know them or not. The truth is, is too often when we don't agree with someone about something, either about their beliefs, their moral standards, their political stance, we get all aggravated, uh, impatient, twisted up in knots and offended, and we begin to see them as our enemy. And I want you to know today that when we make that decision, we are making a huge mistake. Here's why I say that. Let me give you a quick illustration that I think might be helpful to us today. Some time ago, I was reading about the historical conflicts between cowboys and Indians in the late 1800s. The book said this. It said that in the Wild West, when the Indians would ambush the cowboys, they would intentionally shoot, grab a hold of this, they would intentionally shoot flaming arrows at the cowboys' covered wagons not necessarily to kill anyone, but to distract them. The reason they chose this tactic was because the cowboys would end up being more concerned with the fire that surrounded them than they were about the actual enemy that was attacking them, which ultimately made it a whole lot easier for the Indians to gain an upper hand in the conflict and to win in that moment. Gang, if we realize it or not, that illustration describes one of the enemy's tactics and strategies to a T. If this is hard to believe, I think all we have to do is stop for a moment, look around our nation right now, because it's pretty easy to see that the enemy has shot his fiery darts to start fires in different regions all across our country, causing us as believers to be so distracted by what we can see in the natural that we have taken our spiritual eyes off of him. 
You see, these distractions have not only caused us to believe our enemy as other people, but it has also caused us to take our eyes off the kingdom of darkness, leaving it unchecked and free to bring about even a greater measure of destruction in our country. Guys, I feel like I need to say something today, and it's simply this, that we are not called to put out fires. We are called as believers to snatch people from the fire. So the point that I really want us to grab a hold of here is this, is if we are going to see the tide turn, then it's imperative that we begin to see that the real enemy is the evil spirits that are motivating those people to do the things that they are doing, not the people themselves. If we need a biblical example of this, a great one is simply this. It's Acts chapter 16. This is where uh, the Bible records the event where Paul actually turned around and rebuked the demonic spirit that was speaking through a young girl that had been following him from days. And, and what I want us to notice here is simply this, is that he rebuked the demon and not the actual girl. Why? Because Paul realized, he recognized who his enemy was. If we want to be effective soldiers, the second thing I think we need to learn is we need to learn how to recognize our battlefield. With this point, it's important that we understand that our enemy, the devil and, and his demons, no longer have any spiritual authority because they lost all of their authority the moment they were cast out of heaven. However, what they do have is this, is they do have the power to influence and to harass people's minds. Let me show you how this works in a region and even in a nation. If the demonic spirits that are assigned to a particular region can get enough people to come into agreement, that's a key word here, to come into agreement with the thoughts of, say, lust, perversion, racism, hate, division, rebellion, or even intellectual deceit to the point that enough people begin to act on those thoughts, it will literally open up spiritual doors and give the needed authority for the powers of darkness to set up strongholds in that region or even in a nation or even in a people group. Eventually, even those who don't have problems with the quote-unquote stronghold in that region will find themselves fighting against and being tempted by the spiritual atmosphere over that particular region. A perfect glimpse into this battlefield is found in the region Daniel was living in, in Daniel chapter 10, verses 10 through 12. I want to read this to you. It says, Then he, talking about the angel, said, Don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you begin to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God. Your request, your prayer has been heard in heaven. He said this, he said, I have come in answer to your prayer, but for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia, or we could say the demonic principality known as the prince of Persia, blocked my way. Now, how did, how did that, uh, that prince of Persia block Daniel's way? It's really simple, guys. Once again, it's because that, that principality had a grip or a stronghold in the region because of the agreements that people have made with him. And then it goes on to say this. It says, then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me. Let me give you another example of this. For 14 years, I lived in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Now, if you know anything about Fayetteville, then you know it's a, actually an army community. Fort Bragg is there. And so uh, years ago, way before I ever lived there, people actually nicknamed that town Fayetteville. And the reason they nicknamed it Fayetteville is because there was such a stronghold of violence there. And not only was there a stronghold of violence, but there was also a, a stronghold of lust. 
Now, what was so amazing is when I actually first got there, we, we had a godly mayor that was in office. And that godly mayor began to gather pastors from all around the city. And, and as they gathered, they would begin to pray. And as they prayed in unity, and as they began to take their God-given authority to do what Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 19, which is about binding and loosing, what happened is, is those men and women of God, they begin to literally bind violence and they begin to loose love. They begin to bind lust and they begin to loose purity, that they begin to bind unbelief and they loose faith, that they bind uh, despair and they loose hope, that they bind darkness and they loose light, literally until God began to turn the tide in the spiritual atmosphere over that city. It was true that it wasn't just some pie in the sky, oh, we think it's working. There was actually physical evidence that began to happen as literally strip bars began to close, as prostitution began to decline, as murder and violence began to decrease. Now, I don't know about you, but when I remember that, and I hope when you hear that, that we believe that, man, if God can do that in a city, surely He can do that in a nation. The third thing that I think we need to recognize if we want to be effective soldiers is simply this, is that we need to recognize our assignment. Listen, it does us no good to be enlisted in God's army if we never figure out how to actively engage, if we never learn how to access the fight. So listen to what Paul told us once again in Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. I know we've already read part of this, but I want to read it in its full context now. It says this, it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And then it says in verse 13, It says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which You can extinguish all the flaming arrows, all those distractions of the evil one. Then it says in verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now here's our assignment and here's our access point to the battlefield. And this is why we put on the armor of God. Notice the next few words. It says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions. We will dive deeper into all of this over the next few weeks, but the main thing I want us to see at this moment is this, is that if we want to see the kingdom of God advance in our region and advance in our nation, if we want to see the tide turn, if we want to somehow get off the defensive posture and get on the offensive posture, then it is not only critical that we know and understand how to utilize the armor God has given us, but we also have to be willing to personally get in the fight. Just like Daniel, our excitement and our access must begin through prayer. There is no other way. So gang, as long as we continue to use fleshly tactics in the spiritual battle, as long as we try to try to work up our emotions and, and respond from our emotions, respond from our intellect, as we try to respond from our own talents and abilities, I want you to know that we will lose every single time because there's nothing in this flesh or in our abilities that's appropriate or strong enough to fight the enemy we are fighting. 
Therefore, we must be willing to use the weapons God has given us. Guys, once again, He hasn't given us all these weapons for nothing. He hasn't given us these weapons to sit in a pew and be comfortable. He hasn't given us these weapons to sit at home in our couch and do nothing. He's given us these weapons, once again, for a purpose so we can access the fight, so we can know our assignments, so we can be a part of what God is doing now in this region, in this area, in our nation. So once again, these weapons not only give us access to the fight, but they will also make us effective if we put them to use as well. So in closing today, I just simply want to pray and let's believe that God's going to bring us revelation in these areas today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for every single person that's watching today. Father, I bless them in the name of Jesus. Father, I bless them to recognize their enemy. In fact, Lord, we just take a moment and say, God, would you please forgive us for getting, uh, getting it convoluted in our head and getting it mixed up and making the mistake of thinking that people are, are our enemy when we know ultimately the devil and his evil kingdom is our enemy. And so, Lord, we pray today, God, not only will we know who our enemy is, but God, we would recognize the battlefield, that it's not by what we see, but it's the spiritual atmosphere that surrounds us. And lastly, God, we just ask for revelation today, God, that you would show us our assignment, God, as prayer warriors, as intercessors, as people who stand in the gap, uh, fully dressed in the armor of God, willing to do battle, God, on the behalf of your kingdom. And Lord, we just thank you today, God, as these things come alive in us, Lord, that we will not only be effective and healthy sons and daughters, but God, we will also be effective and healthy the powerful men and women of God in your army. Father, we thank you for sealing this today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for being with us again for another Anchor at Home. See you soon. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.